Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In James 1.19, the Bible says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and walk away and forget what you look like. But if you, carefully, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you. For doing it. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Don't Fool Yourself. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word, God. I thank you for each person who's here today. God, I pray you'd strengthen my body, my mind, God. I pray you'd anoint my mouth to say the things you'd have me to say. God, we believe that you are real and that your word is powerful. It's alive, God, and I pray that it would be life today. Speak to us now, God. Teach us what you would have us to know is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't fool yourself. If I was to take the time to walk around, if I started with Mr. C and I worked all the way back around to Carol and I said, tell me what you think the preacher means when he says don't fool yourself. We would get some different ideas, uh, but some people who've been around for a while would probably zero in on what I have in mind and what God's word is talking about, this reality that it's happening. That there are a lot of people that are simply fooling themselves. Does anybody believe that? I don't want you to be in that number. I'm not going to preach out of Matthew chapter 7 today, but I've preached it many times and I've told you many times that it's the scariest part of all Scripture to me because in Matthew chapter 7, it talks about the judgment at the end of this world. And Jesus said, many people will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, I've done all these things for you. And he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. You see, you can do stuff for God and never know God. And if you look at the list of what they said, they said, but I prophesied in your name. That's preachers who are fooling themselves, who are going to preach their whole life and die and go to a devil's hell forever and be separated from God in eternal torment. That's not, I pro, the, they said, I prophesied in your name. The, the other, then he said, and, uh, uh, I, I cast out devils. And that's in, 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 in your name. And that's people who did miracles, people who did great, powerful, mighty signs and wonders. Do you realize there are miracle workers out there that God will use a donkey? I almost said another word, but it's children in the room and religious folk. So I didn't want to. But God can use anyone to get his miracle across. Just because somebody does a miracle don't make them God's man or God's woman. 
There are going to be people standing at the judgment, the, the great white throne judgment, declaring to Jesus, how can you tell me you ain't letting me into heaven? I did miracles in your name. He's going to say, but I never knew you. We weren't like that. We didn't have a relationship. You had religious concepts. You did religious works, but we didn't have a relationship. He, they, they said, uh, they, the Jesus said, they'll, they'll say, I prophesied in your name. In your name, I cast out devils. And in your name, I did many wonderful works. You can work all day long for Jesus. Listen, y'all know I love our food and clothing ministry. I told, I, I, I wish to God, uh, Cindy or Amber were, were, were here today. Because I told them, they, they, were, they were two of the 16 people that we started with. But some of y'all have been around long enough and you've heard, I said it from day one. Because when we started this church 18 years ago, I had to take my food and clothing ministry on Normandy Boulevard and in my truck drag it over rack by rack and set it up. And I told them, that group of 16 people we started with, we are going to lead with blessing a community. We are going to lead with food and clothing. It's going to be the strongest, most powerful ministry of our church. We're going to pray for people, and we're going to see people get saved on Saturday in food and clothing. We're going to see miracles, and we're going to see God do great things. And listen, I love our food and clothing ministry, but I don't take it for granted everybody who serves diligently in our food and clothing ministry is going to heaven. You might just like helping people. You, you might just be lonely and looking for somewhere to work all day Thursday, all day Friday, and all day Saturday. I doubt that, but don't fool yourself. See, there, there's, there's so many people who go to churches that don't really love God. And that just blows my mind. That's, that's foreign to me. That's, that's so foreign to me. When, when My sister and I rode church bus when we were little to church. We weren't saved. They gave away candy. It was something to do. They picked us up. You know, uh, it was a break getting away from the craziness of our home, uh, go, going somewhere else, a bunch of kids playing games. You know, we just did that. But when we got old enough, when we started driving, we, the church was, that's out. We weren't in church on Sunday being hung over from Saturday. I just don't understand that mindset. What in the world? Why, it's foreign to me. I ain't that dude. When I, when, we, when, when I was out there doing what I was doing, church wasn't a thought in my mind. I wasn't, I wasn't hiding what I was doing. I was notorious with what I was doing. I don't get it, but I understand that, that some people do it. I mean, some people come to church that, that don't really love God. And the sad reality is large churches make them feel comfortable in their fakeness. Y'all not hearing me. Large churches that care about how many people sit in the chairs, they, 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 they make sure that these fooled people, these fake people, these people who are there but don't love God, they, 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 they cater to them. Stand at the back door and shake hands and tell them, uh, uh, it's just so great to see you here. Uh, yeah, it's awesome to see you here, but I don't want you coming here and dying and going to hell. I'd rather you be mad at me and in love with Jesus. Churches that make people feel comfortable, never challenge their sin, never challenge their situation, never, never make them consider their own self. 
they'll, they just grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. But the churches that tell them the truth and let them know there's a mandate, there, there's a charge to keep and a God to glorify, there's a holiness standard in this book, there's a real relationship, and you can't make peace with God just by throwing a couple dollars in the offering plate and coming to church every now and then. You can't fill a church up on that message in, in 2000, what year is it? Uh, 20. And, and, and why, why, would, why would a bunch of lost, unsaved, lost and unsaved people, let me tell you, I'm going to just help y'all, in case you think you're the only one in here. Lost, unsaved people that come to Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, they hate me, they hate this church, they're not comfortable in here they feel judged they feel exposed they feel everybody's looking at them even though they're not they're not being judged nobody knows what they're doing and nobody cares to look at them but they feel uncomfortable you know why because the truth hurts the Bible says that this book is truth, and it's a rock of offense. And, 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 and when you fall on it, it bruises you. But if it falls on you, it crushes you. The, the Bible says that the truth of God is, is a sharp sword. It cuts right through the foolishness and gets to the point, the heart of the matter. The Bible says that it's salt. And if you come in here and, 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 and Ava's cute with her arms tucked in her shirt today, because she's cold, but, but if Ava had her arm outside her shirt and I just poured salt all over it and then dumped ocean salt water on top, she wouldn't like, you know, that she just got wet all over. But if, if her arm is healthy, if her arm is whole, if she's not cut, wounded, and bleeding, do you realize she will not feel that salt at all? I'm telling you what I know. Uh, let, let's just, uh, let's just catch Proof text. Y'all know I pick on my sister a lot. When I eat a meal, what's the last thing I do? Every, every meal I've, I ever eat. Pour salt into my hand and lick it. I don't send me no high blood pressure medicine. I don't have high blood pressure medicine. Let me hit y'all to some knowledge on salt. The experts say salt is only bad for you if you already have high blood pressure, okay? I just like the taste. I don't like bland food. In some of these restaurants, I don't want to walk out the door with their bland food taste in my mouth. But the point of the matter is, when I pour salt in my hand, we just, what day was that? Thursday? Friday. We had lunch Friday at a restaurant. When I poured that salt in my hand, I... I didn't feel it. It's just nothing. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't cause us no pain. Ava wouldn't be bothered by that. She would, that salt would just roll off her. And she'd be like, Pastor's so silly. But she wouldn't be hurt. Now, if, 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 I, come, if I come over here and, and I, get, I, take, I get Vicky to take her arm out of her sweater, and she's all cut up and, 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 and wounded and I pour salt in that, it's going to hurt bad. It's going to hurt bad. See, salt, has, it, 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 it gets down into the cut, and it, it irritates, listen, for the purpose of cleansing. And if you're here and you're irritated, I want you to know this. It's not my desire. It's not my purpose. It's no, I have no joy to irritate you. 
That's not my hope. My hope is that the Word of God will bring enough irritation in your life that you'll allow it to get in that wound and cleanse you. I want to see you whole. I want to see you to the point where salt on you doesn't hurt you. Bunch of lost, cut up, wounded, bleeding, fake, phony, hypocrite, and lying, whoremongering people sitting up in church on Sunday morning. They couldn't sit up in that church if salt was being dumped on them. Eventually, see, eventually they'd get what I get. Nasty, hateful emails. I got to stack this thick of death letters in my credenza right now. From, from, and, and it's always, I don't know who you think you are. And the reason that's hysterical to me is because I've said everywhere at all times. I started this way, and I remind y'all all the time, I am not anybody. I'm not the standard. I've got issues too. I'm not telling you to live up to me. I'm telling you to live up to what God called you to live up for. But there's so many phony people, and you know this, and some of of y'all, if we had time, you'd tell the truth. Some some of y'all have been in churches when you were wounded. You've been in places in your life. I've been there. You've been in places in your life where, where you had to leave where you were and go to some big church where you could hide, where nobody knew you, where, where there was no call on your life, where, where nobody said, you know, we'd love to see you get involved in ministry, and where nobody told you we'd love to see you get rid of your girlfriend, love your wife right, where nobody, where nobody told you we'd love to see you get delivered from all that evil that's in your life. Uh, you, you, you see, you can't go hide at that place. Sin has nowhere to hide where truth is being preached. Because not only is it salt, anybody know what else it is? It's light. Now, hopefully you don't live in one of these houses. Uh, you remember, you, you, you remember 20, uh, 2904 uh, Glenwood Drive, Bob's house? Oh, man, I lived with this preacher one time. <laughs> it was in the straight hood, too. Uh, it, was, it, it was rough. Was that rough? It was rough. I'm talking about window unit rough. I'm talking about window unit that, 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 that birds could come through, cracks. I mean, I, and I just put some duct tape off that, man. There's rats crawling in here. But I got a real picture of what, what light did back in those days. You walk in the bathroom, turn the light on, everywhere. And in the tub. And they, you, but you know what turning the light on did to them? It scattered them. It exposed them. It chased them out. They run from the light. Because they know they can be seen. These big churches filling up seats. But are they filling up heaven? Making, feel, making people feel comfortable on Sunday morning. But will they be comfortable for eternity? I just want to see you love God. And I am not as concerned with how many people show up on Sunday as I am that you hear the truth. When God ordained me, when hands were laid on me through proper apostolic succession to ordain me as a pastor in the Lord's church, the call of God on my life was not to please people but to please God. 
The call of God on my life was not to preach for favor or fear of what people would think of me. The call of God on my life was to understand that one day I would give an account to the Most High God for the oversight of this ministry, and I'd have to answer for every word I ever spoke. So here's what I want you to do. Get healthy so the salt don't hurt. Because I'm not going to quit preaching the truth. Get healthy so the salt don't hurt. Because I'm not going to water it down. I, 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 I'm not raised that way. My mama didn't give me a spoonful of sugar to make the medicine go down. We've raised a generation of sissies. Talk to somebody in, in, in the world older than 50 or 60 years old. They, they, didn't, they didn't put little cute band-aids on people and, and pour stuff on arms that didn't hurt. They used to put that orange stuff. I don't even remember what that orange stuff was called. But it burned all the way down to the bone. What? That's it right there. And, and, and they weren't easy about it either. Now we're like, come here, baby. Let mommy dab your little, oh, I got some special medicine. No, scrub that thing. Yeah, go on about your business. Man, we're so soft now. We got toothpaste so your teeth don't hurt. Are we real? Is this what it's come to? Oh, I want you. You know what? Oh, stay with the text. You know why folks' teeth hurt? Because they're not healthy. There's something wrong with them. If your teeth, listen, you wouldn't have to have special toothpaste if there wasn't something wrong with your teeth. Your toothpaste don't hurt teeth. Not healthy teeth. Salt don't hurt poured on your arm. Not a whole arm. It's, it's, it's the, when you're irritated by things that shouldn't hurt you, it's not the thing. It's you. Well, it's going to run them off. See, that's why I like my other church. Try to get in my business. Tell me I ain't right. Tell me I ain't perfect. Tell me everything I'm doing is not right. I start by telling you I'm not right. I'm not perfect. Everything I'm not doing is right. I'm under this same word that you're under. I'm under this same mandate to honor God and to be real and to have an honest relationship with God that you're under. And I just want us to be honest, and I just want us to admit together this morning that sometimes the truth of God's word stings. And when that word is stinging in your life, get better. Get better. If you knew every time you went to mama's house, she was going to say, all right, pull your arm out. I'm pouring all this whole can of salt on your arm. You would do your best not to have a cut arm when you go see mama. Because all she'd be doing is, you could pour all the salt on me, uh, yeah, no, a little at a time, you know, don't dump a truckload on it, break my arm. You could pour all the salt on my arm you want to, and it won't hurt if my arm is healthy. People have a tendency to go to churches where they can hide, where they can be comfortable. You know why? Because they're fooling themselves. They think sitting in that church is going to make them right with God. They think sitting in that church is going to give God a blessing over their life. But what they really need is more than church attendance. And I come today to tell you, you need more than church attendance. You need a real relationship with God. You need a relationship with God that causes you to talk to Him when no one else is around. You need a relationship with God that causes you to cry when you think about how much He loves you. 
You need a relationship with God that creates so much humility in your life when you think about the fact that He never threw you away when He could and He's continued to love you all this time and protect you that caused you to get down on your knees and thank Him for loving a wretch like me. We're never going to be perfect. We're never not going to have cuts. We're never not going to have bruises. But we ought to be able to take the medicine from the God that we know loves us and say, heal me, O God. Cleanse me, O God. Purge me and make me clean. That's real Christianity. Most people sitting in churches, even in this church, have no idea what I'm talking about. You just know you don't like it. Let's get into this and we'll be done. Verse 19. I just want to go through these verses and pull some stuff out. Verse 19 says, understand this. My dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. When we read the scripture, we should always pay attention to what? Pay attention to the punctuation. Comma, that's, that's calls for pause. Uh, you, 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 it says, understand this, okay? So when I have to stop on that punctuation, what, what is the word telling me to do? To understand this, okay, to understand something, you got to take it in. you got to think about it. You just can't gloss over it. You'll miss it, okay? So this is not stuff to be glossed over. This is stuff to take in. And then he says, my dear brothers and sisters, and everybody who's been at this church for more than three months uh, knows or, or would be able to answer the question right uh, if I ask it. If I ask the question that I always ask, uh, many people would be, uh, know how to answer it. Does anybody know what the question is? Who's he talking to? Who is this passage of Scripture talking to? I want you to know if this is you or not. I want you to know if God is speaking to you or not. What, what type of person is God talking to in this passage of Scripture? Christians, brothers and sisters. It's not talking about biology. This, this is talking about Christianity. If you claim to be saved, if you call yourself a Christian, then you are being talked to by God in this passage. And then he puts this colon up there, which means there, there's, there's multiple things coming, and we got to understand all of them, but they're specific for Christians. He said, You must all be quick to listen. Comma. So we got to pause on that. He, he didn't say it would be cool if you listened every now and then. He didn't say maybe you might want to try to listen. No, he said, you must all be quick to listen. Now, I want to get some Bible geniuses in here. Let me, let me pull like we're on a Wednesday night uh, Bible study. Um, what must all Christians be according to the Scripture? Quick to listen. Where are you at? You know you. You know you. Talk over people while they're talking. Here, here, here's the crazy thing. One, 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 of the, one of the things that stuck out most to me and I've been involved in education uh, since I got saved. Uh, I, it took me so many <laughs> hours going to multiple colleges uh, to get the degrees that I have. Uh, if you got one college, stick with it. Stick. I didn't. I had a hundred before I even got uh, my my second degree. I, I had uh, I think it was thirty six extra hours for my bachelor's degree. I only needed 120. I had 156. Why? Because I was getting a degree in theology and psychology and that criminal justice class 
couldn't fit because I had twice as many electives as I needed to have. But one of the coolest things I ever learned in college in all the years that I went uh, and was in a psychology class, the professor said, do you ever struggle to remember anyone's name? And some people didn't raise their hand, and he told them, those of you that didn't raise your hand either didn't hear my question or didn't want to admit the truth. At some point, people all struggle to remember someone's name. Can we agree with that? Now, some people are better at it than others, but he said, he said this. It was a survey that he referenced, and it said that over 90% of people, 10 seconds after someone tells them their name, couldn't tell you what it is. Do you believe that? You believe that? People are like, hey, what's up? Hey, nice to meet you. My name's Scott. My name's... Oh, good to see you. That person just told me their name. I'm smooth. I... Listen, if you hang around, you hang out with me too often, you, you'd be on my shoulder and, and you'd be like, what's his name again? <laughs> now, some of that's just old manism, Okay. But here's what the, 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 the study that he cited said was the reason why. Here's why we don't remember someone's name right after they tell it to us. Because we weren't listening. We weren't listening. We must be quick to listen. That word quick means active. Do it now actively. Do you understand there's a difference between active listening and listening? Y'all remember what Woody Harrelson told Wesley Snipes in White Men Can't Jump? He said, you, 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 you hear Jimmy, but you can't hear Jimmy. Oh, y'all, never mind. Don't watch the movie. Just because you hear volume coming out of my mouth doesn't mean you're listening to what I'm saying. And, and, and the survey went on to say that even when you tell someone your name and you should be listening to their name, here's why you don't. Because you're too busy wondering, does my breath stink? Is my fly open? Did I say my name right? Did I speak clearly? Am I dressed properly? Are they looking at me funny? Um, am I all that in your head? You're thinking about stuff instead of listening while that human being. Now, what would be great is if I walked up, if Chris was a stranger and I walked up to Chris, I said, hey, man, I'm Scott. What's your name? He said, Chris. And, and we talked for about four seconds, and then we just both said, can, can we be honest? I forgot your name. Did you forget mine? And we could chest bump high five, and that would be hilarious. But that's what people do. Why? Because we don't actively listen. We, we don't purposefully listen. We don't listen with intention. And God said you must be. Some people don't even listen when they come to hear preaching much less listen to the random conversation. But I want you to know, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, you must be an active listener. And then it goes on and gives more commands. These aren't, these aren't suggestions. He says, slow to speak. If you're joining with us, and I really want the people that come to Abundant Life to be Bible folk, I want you to have a strong foundation of Scripture in your life. And that's why I encourage you to read the book of the month every month. I, I'm re we're reading the book of James right now over and over and over again all month long. You might read it once. You might read it twice. You might read it 30 times. Do it. Um, read the book of the month. But also encourage you to read the proverb of the day. So March 8th, read uh, Proverbs 8, 
and just take it in, take it in, take it in. And that way you read the whole book of Proverbs every month. And somebody, I've had people ask me, don't you get tired of reading the same book every month? No. No, no. I read that proverb in the morning. It gives me specific instruction for my day. And do you know what some of that, it seems over and over, and it's in there. And I know it stands out to me because God wants it to stand out to me. But if, if you're like me and you talk a lot, do, do you notice how many times it tells you in the book of Proverbs to keep your mouth shut? I'm like, okay, God. Don't talk so much. Don't talk so much. Be slow to speak. I'll give you the cliche that all the cool preachers give you, even though it's tired. God gave you what? Two ears and what? See how tired that is? I didn't even set it up for you. But it's true. God gave us two ears and one mouth. Don't be the person that's always talking. Do you know if people start walking away from you when you walk up to them, it may be because you just talk and never listen? If you don't have strong relationships with people, if you don't have people in your life that care about you, that open up to you, if, if you can't remember the last time somebody told you something um, real about their life, it's probably because they don't believe you listen. Because I can tell you this, as someone who listens, if somebody knows you listen, you, you're going to have to call time out on them to st get them to stop bleeding all over you. Isn't that right, Karanda? You, if, if they know you listen, oh, they're going to dial you up. If they know you listen, they, 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 that's why I tell you, if you, if you, you can ask church folk, how you doing? They know you're not going to listen, so they just say, I'm great, I'm good, I'm blessed, I'm favored, uh, and keep moving. They, they know you're not listening, so they just throw that little, you know, churchism at you. But if you really want somebody to answer that how you doing question, go to old folks' home. Ain't that right? Go to an assisted living facility. You don't even have to know the person. And I'm telling you what I know. Before I started this church, when I was running uh, Mission Jacksonville, one day a week, I would go and spend an hour a day with five different people in Heartland Healthcare on Normandy Boulevard. These weren't people I knew. I asked the, the, the place, give me five people that don't get visitors. I just want to spend an hour with them each. Uh, and, man, I'm, I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. You don't have to know these people at all. You walk in, Miss, Miss Mary Jane laying in that bed. You walk in, she sees you, she, she's going to look up at you. What you want, baby? Hey, Miss Mary Jane, I just came by to sit, hang out with you. I mean, can we talk for a little bit? Would you like some company? Well, sure, baby. Sit down. Why, how, how you doing, Miss Mary Jane? Oh, I've, I've stepped in it at that point. I, I'm 12 seconds into being in this room, and now I've stepped both legs in it. When I said, how you doing? Oh, oh yes. Well. My sciatica ain't as bad as it used to be, but you know I got this. Can you see this toe down here? I got this bunny. Look here. Look, look good. I can, and they, why? Because they believe you're listening. Do people talk to you or do they brush by you? Do people tell you what's going on in their life or do they just hit and move? We got to learn how to listen. We got to learn how to speak. If you're always talking and you're not listening, nobody's going to believe that, that you're going to care about what they have to say. Let me move quick. Next thing. Man, this is, this is some hard blows, y'all. This is some real truth. This is salt in the wound. You got, you got to shut up some. 
Uh, you got to listen more, and you got to be slow to get angry. I'm working on it. Anybody else? Anybody working on it? I'm working on it. I, I, I don't know if I apologized the other day, but I apologize about my, my, my Melvin Road explosion. I just can't take that four-way sign. I just cannot take that. Me, me and my sister, we're coming back. We, we went to see Anthony in the hospital. Y'all pray for him. Uh, he fell and hit his head, and, and, and God is in the process of healing him. We're coming back from a hospital visit. I'm driving. We, I'm coming back to the church. I get to that stupid four-way sign on the corner, Firestone and Melvin. Anybody get pressure right there? Oh, I, I, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. So I, 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 and he, he, we're sitting there talking about the Lord, talking about God's goodness. And, and I get there, white, cutlass, sitting still as I drive up. I'm, I'm, I'm rolling. She's sitting. Whose turn is it to go when I stop? So she just sits there. I can't go because then I'll be wrong. So I tell her, go ahead and go. She looks at me. I'm like, she just looks at me. And I'm like, we don't even need to have a stop sign here. This is ridiculous. I'm so sick of this. And then I'm yelling, and, and, and my sister just sitting there. Man, it's just things the devil uses. See, the devil knows your weak point. The devil knows how to trip you up. There's just certain things that the devil can't get me with. There are just certain things that they just don't appeal to me. There's just certain things that I'm, I'm, I'm not that, that prone to, to mess up with. But, man, don't sit there at a four-way stop sign when it's your turn to go and stare at me. He, he needs help. Yeah, I ain't the only one. How many, how many of y'all understand when I tell them this, they need to this? All right, well, I'm sweating now. Because God says I must be slow to get angry, and I'm not always. But do you realize that we are a work in progress? That's why I don't understand why people give up on people. Why you want to look at somebody that ain't perfect yet and throw them away when you're not perfect yet either? We got more. Verse 20 says, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. I thought about that woman. Do you really believe, because I guarantee you she saw I was upset, because it went from this to, it's your turn, just go, it's time to go. Forgive me for not being, you're like, I can't sit under a pastor like that. Go, go find a perfect preacher. I guarantee you she knew, homeboy's blowing a gasket over there, because I won't go, I guess I should go, Yes. But if I would have saw her five minutes later up the road, do you really believe she would have automatically assumed that I am a preacher of God's righteousness and that I, that, that, that I am kind and patient and tolerant and filled with the Holy Ghost? Mm. Now, see, you can judge me all you want to. I'm trying to use my own situation to show you that we all need help. And you can't find this level of honesty everywhere. Preachers pretending to be better than they are. That ain't going to be me. But I've got to come to the reality that anger does not, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And everyone who's truly a Christian longs to please God. 
and to give God what he wants. And your anger cannot do that. Verse 21 says, get rid of all filth and evil in your lives, comma. Okay, well, he don't even have to narrow it down. He said all filth and evil in your lives. What kind of people is he talking to? (laughs) Talking to Christians. So if he's talking to Christians, and he is, who's he telling to get rid of all that filth and evil out of their life? So what do Christians still have in their life? Shouldn't, but it is. Should be less. See, there are churches out there that preach sinless perfection, and that's a lie. If we could be sinless, we wouldn't need God to forgive us. We're not going to be sinless. You've heard me say it before. We're not going to be sinless, but we should sin less. I hope you sin less now as you claim to love God than you used to sin before you claimed to love God. I hope that if you're only different on Sunday morning while you're sitting in this church, uh, then you just have church and not true relationship with Jesus. We have to get rid of. Now, if you study that in the original Greek language, you'll find out that that's in the continual tense. That's an ongoing process. Wouldn't you love it if you could just clean your house one time and never have to clean it again? Wouldn't wouldn't you love it if you could just dust the furniture and never have to dust it again? Wouldn't you love it if you could just tell your children one time to act right and never have to do it again? This is not that type of context. This is a over and over. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Keep getting rid of it. When it pops back up, get rid of it again. Listen to me. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your life. I don't know how real Christians read that and judge other people. I don't know how real saved people look at that and think they're better than anybody else when they know they've got filth, filth and evil in their own lives. And when on, it goes on to say, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. If you accept the truth of God's word in your own heart, one of the first things you're going to understand is that you are a sinner and that you need salvation because the Bible says all have sinned. And it's going to cause you to want to deal with you. Here's the key to victory. Let me give you the key to victory. Some of y'all are sleeping. Take what you know about the word and apply it to yourself and stop trying to hold others hostage with it. Stop trying to preach rules on other people that you don't follow. Stop trying to quote scripture to other people and, and, and look down at them. You ought, to tell, you ought to quote scripture to other people. You ought, you ought to tell other people where, how they can do better. But you ought to start with yourself. Amen? That word is in your heart. You understand that you, you, you have a responsibility to it. Verse 22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. Period. Now, you got to stop and think about that. So I'm not just supposed to listen to God's word. Now, one of the places people go to listen to God's word is in church buildings. You can listen to God's word in your car. You can listen to God's word at your house, on your job. You can listen to God's word at at the lake, on the golf course. You can listen to God's word anywhere you want to. But a lot of times, the, the, the one of the only places people go to listen to God's word is in church. Okay? They need to understand. That's not enough. Say not enough. God said, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. This is not optional. This is why so many people are miserable in coming to church. This is why so many people are miserable in trying to be who God wants them to be. Because they listen, but they don't do it. He says, if you listen to it, but you don't do it, 
You're only fooling yourselves. Don't fool yourself. Don't be caught in that knowing the scripture, but not knowing what to do with it. When I was running the labor pool downtown on the corner of Maine and Beaver, putting to work two, three hundred uh, crack addicts, homeless people every day, daily work, daily pay, I got to know the majority, 85 to 100 percent of the homeless people downtown because I would pray with them. I would take them to lunch. If I couldn't get them out on a ticket, I'd hang out and talk, at, you know, on the corner right there at the gas station and get to know people and share Christ with them. And so they knew I wasn't just, you know, the, they, they called me boss man because I was the one that gave them the check uh, and the, the assignment in the morning. But they knew I wasn't just a boss man there, but that I was a preacher of the gospel. And I had several homeless, crack addict people bring me ordination papers, framed theological degrees, um, certificates of uh, license to ministry. They could quote scripture. Listen, you want to get around some people who can quote scripture? Get around some homeless people. You, you think, Hugo, you think people that are in jail can quote scripture? You, you, they, they can throw scripture at you, can't they? You, mean, you, you, you arrest somebody, put them in the back of a cop car, they're liable to know more scripture than the pastor. Amen. But the Bible says you ought to be nice. Listen, every alcoholic knows at least one scripture. Right? Drink some wine for your stomach's sake. Uh, but knowing God's word is not doing God's word. And if you know it, but you don't do it, if you listen to it, but you don't do it, you're just fooling yourself. That is not a good thing. Verse 23 says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. Now, here's the image that I get, and I believe it's the right image. And I've studied it, and I've read commentary on it. They don't use the exact same wording I use because I'm a different dude. But the Greek language is an illustrative language. It's a picturesque language of visual uh, speech. Now, what he's saying is, this he's liking it to a mirror where you go into the bathroom and you look in the mirror to comb your hair. Do you look at your hair? Do like this. Yeah. Well, if you look at it, and Rick's like, nope. I said, if you go in there to comb your hair, you don't go in there to comb your hair. If you go in there and you look at your hair and your hair is all whack, you fix it. You just don't look at it and say, bet, I was wanting to live that way. I'll give you, I'll give you the one I know you usually give because, you know, it, it, it works for Rick and for me and everybody else. If you go in the bathroom and you're getting ready to go to church and you see you got a giant booger hanging down, I hope you fix it. I hope you don't like, oh, wow, I got a bat in the cave. I got to get that. I got to get that out. And then you just walk off and come into church, and we all got to look at that. You say, well, that's ridiculous. Nobody would do that. Oh, people, people do worse. And one of the worst things we do is we look into this perfect book. It's like a mirror. It shows us our imperfections. It shows all our boogers. It shows all our messed up hair. It, it, it shows everything that's out of place. I look in, I look in the mirror. I do two things. Uh, 
I, I look in the mirror to make sure my shirt is buttoned in all the right buttons because that's, you know, one, one time I came out and I had it like that. So that's stuck in my mind. Every time I walk up these steps, I do like this because I walked in one time and my zipper was down. That's the, but I didn't see those things and not make adjustment. So now I look in the mirror to see it, and if it's wrong, I make a what? Adjustment. I want you to start looking into this book and not just hearing it, but making an adjustment based on what you see that's out of place. Verse 24 says, you see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. Don't, don't do that. See yourself. Don't walk away. Adjust. Make the adjustment. See, this is saying someone sees something that's out of place and they walk away and just act like it doesn't matter. Don't do that. See what's going on. Make the adjustment. Don't forget what you saw. Verse 25, last verse, and we'll go. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. I hope you look carefully into the Scripture. I hope you read the Bible. And I hope as you look into it, you'll do what it says. And don't forget what you heard. Because this last part is what everybody wants. Look at this last phrase and we're done. Then. When is then? Then is always after. After you do all these other things. After you've looked at it. After you've listened to it. After you've made your adjustment. After you don't forget what you heard. Then God will bless you for doing it. I want God to bless you. God wants to bless you. God said it's his pleasure to give you everything. God says that even we as evil parents know how to give good things to our children. God so much more wants to give good things to his children. God wants to bless you. And I want to see you blessed. I want to see you blessed for real. I want to see you financially prosperous. I want to see you physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually blessed. But blessing comes after. You don't need an appointment with a counselor to ask, why Why are things going so bad? Because you're not in your then yet. You're not in your then yet. You can't get to your then until you start looking at the Scripture and doing what it says and not forgetting what you heard. You're not at your then yet. Why won't God bless me? Why is life so hard for me? Why do others seem blessed but I don't? Get to your then moment today. I'm begging you. Get to your then. Get to your then. Get to your... Well, it's the system. It's the... No, get to your then. God is bigger than the system. God is bigger than your issue. God is bigger than anything else. Get to your then. Get to your then. Because it's then that God will bless you for what? For doing it. I wish God had blessed you only for hearing it. Then we could just all walk around with audio Bible on tape. And have all the blessing God has for us. But the blessing comes after you're then. The blessing comes after you've done what God has required. And I want to give you an opportunity today to consider springboarding. We've already missed out on January and February of 2020. Some of you thought that 2020 was going to be your year, and you stumbled through January and February. Some of you thought 2020 would be different, but you haven't really made the strides you want. I, I want to give you permission 
in the spirit realm to leap forward today. I'm talking about a seismic shift. I'm talking about a supernatural advancement that'll call that'll catapult you into the blessing of God. Where you don't have to strain and you don't have to struggle and you don't have to wonder and you don't have to fret. I'm talking about getting catapulted from where you are right dab into the middle of the being under the spout where the glory comes out feeling God's presence all the time speaking to God freely and hearing the voice of the Lord walking in the favor and the blessing of God we parked at the hospital at Shands Friday it's just wild I almost never do this we parked there I press a little button I get the ticket go up spend time with, with Anthony, anoint him, pray, pray over him, come back down, get in the car, look for the exit ramp where the booth is, go to grab my wallet, didn't have my wallet, I'm like, oh, well, this is humiliating, but I have my sister in the car, I'm like, I'm gonna need your money, <laughs> see, it's what it is, I'm going to need you to bust out some money, because like a fool, I forgot to bring my, I was rushing, and I forgot to put my wallet in my pocket. And she's like, that's no problem. That's no problem. I said, I hate leaving my house without my wallet. What if I need to buy something? I can't even pay this parking toll. We get around to the booth. Sign on the window. Booth closed. Didn't have to pay. Now you're like, oh, so you all excited because you saved $1.50? It's her money. I thought I care. I felt like I was going to pay her back. Um, No, I was excited because I love when my father makes provision for me even in the smallest way he knew his son forgot his wallet he knew that I didn't have my money with me he knows I don't like asking other people to pay my stuff he knew that it was bothering me that I didn't have the money to pay that toll so he just made it to where that thing was closed and the gate was open and I want God to close some tolls in your life And I want him to open some gates for you. Get to your then brother in Christ. Get to your then sister in Christ. Get to your then. Hear the word. Do the word. You're blessed in your doing, not just in your hearing. You're blessed for doing it. I want you to consider what it is God's calling you to do. And I want you to start doing it. And I want you to walk in the assurance, this is my then time. This is my then time. Struggle is behind me, and blessing is not before me. Blessing is now. Blessing is here. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. We are in the presence of God, and I want you to walk in his blessing for real. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us what we have to do to get your blessing. I pray that you'd give us the strength and the wisdom, God, to get to this then moment where you can bless us for doing it. God, I pray that you would create in us a sense of urgency where people would desire you more than they desire the things of the flesh. God, I pray that we would long for you more than we long for the world. God, I pray that you would fill our hearts with your spirit and guide us into all truth and righteousness. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at AOCFnow.com.
www.thebridgeofhope.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.